Welcome to Authors in Chains, by writers, for writers. Hosted by J.R. Ryu, Rob Davies, Glacia Kronk, and Ray Bailey. On this episode of Authors and Chains, we cover locations, fact or fiction. Locations, fact or fiction. Um, I, unless I'm going into space, I like using real locations. I don't know about you guys. I, I do. There's a vibe. There's a feel. Every city, every town has its own kind of feeling to it. You know, I mean, you go to Nashville, you go to New Orleans, you go to New York, you go to Boston. They all have their own kind of heartbeat. And I like capturing that. I really do. When you, when you start, it's one of the reasons in Revenant I used Asheville because Asheville had that, just that nice chill vibe that I liked. Um, so as I said, everybody's different. Some people just like to go, fuck it. I'm going to create my own. Uh, but I tend to, when I can use real, real locations because it grounds me. It's almost like grounding me in the book. What do you guys think? Well, for me, I think the decision uh, becomes like, I mean, you're talking about using a city, right? So you're Yeah, talking, a city, a town, a location yeah, that is real versus made up, yeah. Yeah, you're talking about sort of like a macro location, and yeah, you get into sort of that thing where like the, the place is almost like another another character in the in the story but i think also like underneath that is the decision as to whether to use you know micro locations like given you know buildings or cross streets or like i I have a cemetery in in one of mine and i mean but i think that that's kind of the same idea as using you know a, a given city or even a given country or or whatever the case may be. Well, and you could flip these two. I mean, in, in a given, in a story idea I have, I'm going to use New Orleans because I like the city, I like the vibe, but I actually have a cemetery in a story, but the cemetery I'm going to use is in Woonsocket, Rhode Island. It's called Precious Blood because the cemetery is awesome. Just the town sucks. So, <laughs> you know, I'll kind of use my micro location from one place, my macro location being New Orleans, to kind of match that vibe. Does area have anything to do with it? In other words, there is no way to create a town like New Orleans. There is a way to create Spinks Corners uh, or Ratbag Flats, Arkansas. No, it's not a real place, but it's so small. Exactly. It's tenable. It's tenable and perhaps even preferable to create. Because I agree with Ray. If, I, if I'm on Earth, I'm sticking with real life places. I've I've only Oh shit! I just lied my ass off. No, ah, I didn't. Liar! Liar! <laughs> well, now, now hold on, hold on. Uh, this is a qualifier. When the river ran dry is set 150 years into the future. It's right here on Earth, right. but all of the cities have fallen and new cities have risen. I don't have any choice but to rename. Uh, it's it's all new stuff. I was kind of cornered into creating new places because there was a cataclysmic chop off of what the place used to be and what it is in the second rise of humanity. I can right. get away with it there. It's kind of sleight of hand. Well, I, I got the same thing. I'm using California, but the locations are all medieval because it's a whole second run of humanity, you know, thousands of years later. So I get it. You know, I, that's just progression. That's all that is. Okay. Because you're not going to have like Hollywood, California, 6,000 years from now. If the exactly. Earth so, okay. So I don't feel so bad about cheese no. dick and my no. ass off. 
Okay. No, but I get that. But but I mean, yeah. I, I can I can name a place something and make it make up a name, but use a real place in my head to allow me to use that kind of vibe of the town. But there are yeah. some towns you you have to use. I mean, I can't make up a town and then use New Orleans because you're going to know it's New Orleans. I mean, it just has such a signature to it. Yeah. I Jr. Do you how do you have you done this with made up or have you stuck with real places? I always use fake places. And there's a good reason for this. I hate cities. I despise them. I cannot stand the crowds, the noise, the traffic. So when I have lived in cities, as soon as I move away, I promptly wipe their locations out of my mind because I want nothing to do with it. So I have to create cities, but I'll base them at least in part. I'll take an aspect of like Kansas City and then I'll add a little Springfield, Missouri, and then I'll add a little uh, Philadelphia and a tad bit of Jacksonville and, you know, kind of merge them together to create my own place. Those are some crazy different vibes. And yeah, I was going to say, you got a Franken city. How yeah, do you go right? about naming it? What, what, I, what? A lot of times I'll leave the city vague. I won't give it a name. I won't necessarily call it anything, but if I have to give it a name, I just pop something out of my head. Or I'll go look up a word in Norwegian or Romanian or some crap and come up like I'll I'll type in a search for crystal and then I'll name it Crystal City in Romanian. <laughs> well, that's cool. kind of cool. Yeah, like Raccoon and, City. There you go. Yeah, and and it doesn't, I mean, I try to find a word that represents what I'm trying to present, but it's in a foreign language, so only somebody from, like, say, Europe is going to understand what the fuck I said. Well, I mean, and this is, and actually, yeah, Glacia brought up a good point about macro versus micro locations. Um, Your micro locations are very personal, where your macro, you tend to be a vibe, unless you're running a place like New Orleans or Nashville where that whole city becomes a character unto itself because they have plenty of character to be able to do that. Okay, what about, so when we, uh, I, I hate the, I hate going down this path, but my first, uh, I, I suppose it's, it's, a, it's literary, they don't want to use the name of New York when they're doing a Batman show, so they call it Gotham. Right. Yeah. And we all know they're yeah. talking about New York, but they're not talking about New York, and so that gives them lots and lots of license to refer. You know it's a mega city or a big giant metropolis, and that's all it needs to be. Um well, and yeah, because it gives them license to name street names, whatever they want. Distance yeah. doesn't matter. Yeah. You know, the, the the downside of using a real location is if you're in your book and you're going from Decatur Street to L'Enfant in <laughs> New Orleans, you really got to know how long that takes. And you kind of want to know what streets you pass, intersections, things like that. So it takes a little more legwork than making it up. Right. Indeed. Yeah. And yep. if you're doing 80 miles an hour, yeah, if you're doing 80 miles an hour in a police chase down Decatur, you know, you're not going to do that past the, the the New Orleans Police Department substation, which happens to be on the right-hand side of that street. 
you know, you need to know that stuff. If you're going to evoke a real location, uh, even if it's rural, which I had to do for seventh life, a little tiny hamlet in Wales, and I'm all over this shit to make sure that I have these distances correct. And I'm describing as if I were there because someone's going to see it and someone's going to react to it. One of my first reviews I got off this book, I about died at some, some lady who lives in Wales. And I thought, Oh, here we go. Here we go. I'm going to get killed. And sure enough, she said, it's very nice to have somebody who understands what, or knows what they're, are talking about when they're speaking of whales. And I thought, huh, thank you, lady. He was, he was rocking the Google Maps Street View. Well, I know. Hell yes. <laughs> I know. Well, I've done it. There is yeah. one issue with using real places, and that is existing businesses. There is a problem. You can get sued if you talk negatively about a real business that exists. Yeah, like- Having a ah, which, that's plumbing. an excellent yeah. point. I, because I, I had defamation. a exactly. I had a hotel, a, a Texaco gas station of all things, and a little homegrown uh, hardware store in this in my little town in Wales. And I I I looked at them. I thought I don't have anything to say about them. They are locations. I'm not negative or positive. I'm just telling you that I was there, and. I thought, I wonder if the people at at William and Watkins Hardware Store are going to get pissed off about this because I didn't ask them if I could use the name of their t- of their store. But then I remembered, well, I, th- I they can't say a damn thing to me if I'm not disparaging them. Yeah, which I was not. Well, and here is actually a fine point to that. Just in case you run into this problem, I actually in one of my books had a beach location at a Dairy Queen. I actually changed the ownership of the Dairy Queen and used a fake owner, which you can do, by the way, because it's not disparaging the business if you actually name the person you're talking about. Why were you hammering Dairy Queen? Because I had to hammer. I had to hammer something. A Dairy Queen was a perfect thing to hammer. Oh, okay. Glacia, do you go? Do you hang with real places, or do you contrive them? I, I do both, actually. But I mean, to kind of speak to to what Ray was just talking about just there about, you know, potentially, you know, disparaging or or slandering businesses. I one of the one of the things that I do in, in the front of my book, I have this huge paragraph of a disclaimer saying that, you know, basically in legalese, don't don't blame me. You know, my fictitious characters are making any opinions like I have a. Uh, a specifically named real hotel that in in which there is a crime that is a terrible crime that is committed. Um, but because the value of using real locations is there, you know, I chose to just craft that, that disclaimer and stick it in the beginning of my book because I mean, yeah, there's that like fine line that, that you walk, but realistically because it's creative, work and it's listed as fiction there is a surprisingly small amount of of legal repercussion that you can come up against i suppose this is the disclaimer point where i'm supposed to be like i'm not a lawyer and if you are unsure contact a lawyer about this stuff for your own book right but, and that's always good right but you know um 
short of of you know going into into your acknowledgments section and being like, yeah, I know that you know I used this place, but I visited there and it sucks ass. You know, if if your characters are doing things in the locations and your characters have opinions about those locations or even real people. Within a work of fiction, there's a lot of latitude there in terms of the things that you that you that you portray in any one of those given locations. And there's also a gigantic bucket filled of precedent when somebody has been pissed off enough to sue somebody else. Uh, yeah. Stat, I mean, um, case law is was settled on this a long time ago to protect authors, and uh, I don't I don't think I run in any fear of uh, of getting myself into. Uh, uh, litigation because of how I refer to someone or someplace in a fiction work, but well, yeah. people in your real people in your fiction work is another matter. <laughs> Places you can say whatever you want about a place because you can walk up and say it to their face and there's nothing they can do about it. I don't like your hotel. I think it sucks ass. They can say, thank you very much. Hope you don't, you, you find a better place. Don't come here again. When you say that a real person in that place is a piece of shit, then you are disparaging and they can hammer you for it. So the distinction is live person who is slanderable or a location which is not. Well, I mean, and to, to be fair, when you talk about case law, um, prime example would be Stephen King's The Shining which was inspired when he stayed at a hotel called The Stanley in Estes Park, Colorado, which he flipped the name and called it The Overlook. But there was grumblings of him being sued by The Stanley after the book, which obviously went his way. I'm sure it probably did. And him over that, they got hella recognition, in fact. Uh, um, well, yeah, you, you know, afterwards, years later, it got to the point where they're now they're advertising the fact that they are the Overlook. But well, during the, the time when the book came out, yeah, the, the Overlook in the movie is the is is Mount Hood Meadows, exactly. uh, right down the street from me in Oregon. Yeah, it, that's correct. It is Mount. That's where they did the exterior shots on that hotel. That's but the right. hotel that inspired it was the Stanley in Estes Park. Yeah, they um, actually used the Stanley for yes. inside. They did. And that room that he used in the book is the most popular room. <laughs> of course it is. Everybody wants but that room. When yeah. he wrote the book initially, this is there was grumblings because obviously the book is very graphic. Um, the movie had not, you know, Stanley Kubrick didn't do his movie yet. But the name of the Overlook was really, I think, what saved him. I need to go back and look at that. But there was a whole big stink about it initially. Um, because they were worried it would have negative impact on the hotel itself. And yeah. part of that is he actually said it was inspired by the Stanley. So he came out and said it. It was like a worst-kept secret ever. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. There's so that. if you're if you're going to use a place for multiple mass murders and ghost hauntings, you may want to flip the name on it. <laughs> Just saying. Yeah, and maybe put it in a different town, too. Right. That might work, too. I mean, I, I tend to, and, you know, these are things that authors need to think about when they're writing locations. If you have locations that you are really going to hammer or you're really going to make evil, you may want to consider the impact of that on those locations. Um, yeah. And either, either as, as Glacia does with some type of legal, you know, waiver is a good idea. Flipping names is a good idea. You know, I mean, these are all excellent ways to kind of 
circumvent any legal issues later on. Also, you do not want to be responsible for a business losing customers because you've said something because you cost people jobs and their ability to support their families. And as authors, we need to be a little responsible about how we present real places, which is another reason why I use fake locations. Plus, I like to randomly pop stuff up. You know, I may one day they find a cemetery. Well, I don't know where the hell I'm going to find a cemetery like the one in my head. So I just, it's just my own because um, everything in my story, I visualize. If I'm, if my character is walking down the street, I am literally watching them walking down the street. I see the buildings on both sides. I see where the intersections are. I can tell if it's a one way or not. It's like a movie in my head. And it's based on the conglomeration of places that I've been. And I know you're talking about, well, that's kind of a weird Frankenmesh, but it's actually um, in part because I focus on certain parts of those cities. It's like Kansas City. If, if I'm using Kansas City as an inspiration, I usually take the downtown area because that place is crazy. There is a lot of stuff down there. And there's a lot of tall buildings and there's a lot of short buildings mixed in. Some of them are very old. Some of them are very new. But, but then if I'm, say, going into a poverty-stricken area, I would use, say, parts of Texarkana or parts of Jackson, Mississippi, because I've been in those areas. I've seen what they're like, and they are memorable. And, you know, if I'm using using like us like a little town I'll use it partially based on small towns that I've been in you're well, describing something yeah. that is often and I would say uh, I would argue it's it's almost convention and wrote in the film industry there is a place that the location managers go scout out we've all heard the stories and they when you see location at the end of a film the credits for locations it's always interesting to see where they filmed something and it is right it is often not the town that is being portrayed or even the section of a town they'll find something that has a visual uh, a, a quality to it, a vibe, as Ray said, that absolutely describes it. And so they will take that bit and they're going to give it credit at the end of the movie. But it isn't important for you to know that it's actually Allentown, PA and not uh, or, or I'm sorry, Youngstown, Ohio in the Deer Hunters steel uh, scenes. It's supposed to be Pittsburgh or or yeah. Steel Thunder or, or Jeanette, PA, somewhere around in Pittsburgh. You don't need to know that they actually well, filmed that in Youngstown. It's interesting later, but it doesn't tell the story the way it wants it to. That's kind of what J.R. sees when she's walking herself in her mind's eye through these places. It triggers locations that she has been before. I think that's absolutely correct. I, I well, think oh, yeah. I did that whole wandering around, hitchhiking around the country thing for a while because I saw all kinds of different places. And right. I have always been able to see in my head what I needed to see when I was creating. And all these different places that I've been to 
and the different areas of these cities and towns that I've been through, they all have a place in my brain. And when I start to write the story, the place that is necessary pops up into my head. The businesses are blanked out. You know, I don't see the business names. I don't see the corporation names. I don't see the, the names of the streets. But what I see is the, lo- is the buildings and the roads where the fire hydrants are, where the street signs are. And that's what's important. Well, I mean, it, it gets and it gets a little sticky sometimes. Like, give you an example. The, the, the cemetery I was talking about in Winsaka, Rhode Island, I have a story that centers around that because the cemetery was the inspiration. I mean, they had this huge wrought iron fence out front that's saying, you know, saying precious, which is precious blood in French. It had a black marble coliseum in the middle of the goddamn cemetery. It was creepy. I used to love it. I used to go there, get stoned, make out with goth chicks. It was great. So, I mean, honestly, I did. Yeah. But hey, goth chicks love black fucking coliseums in the middle of cemeteries. Don't ask me why. But it's just kinky. Are you kidding? But, oh, yeah. It's just, like, oh, I yeah. Like it was awesome. <laughs> But the cemetery was great, so it, it inspired a story. The problem was is I didn't want to cause trouble for the cemetery, so I changed the location of it. That's all. You know, I didn't put it in Woonsocket. I put it in New Orleans, though it's no cemetery like it in New Orleans. Um, and I did that because I didn't want to write a story and then have crap start happening with the cemetery because I wrote a book about it. Yeah, yeah, because people that are That would be fair. Yeah, people are, people are, of course they are. I mean, I, I don't know if any anybody else has specific locations in their book where something happens and then they have to, you know, either change a location name or do something because they're worried about, you know, somebody showing up because they wrote a book about that particular place. See, that's why I use generic parts of cities and create my own places is because yeah, people always... are assholes. <laughs> Not everybody, but yeah, okay, Not, people are. Okay. I get it. Not everybody. The individual is not necessarily an asshole, but when you group them together, it's like, it's like with those, uh, the Brit guards, you know, the guys that have to wear the bear hats, people will go up and stick their cigarette butts in their, in the barrel of the gun. They'll put food on top of the bayonet. They will poke them with needles to try to get a reaction. Which is why I'd be fired at that job after like four seconds, because they would poke me and I'd poke them back. (laughs) I'm kidding. Yeah, I wouldn't put up with that. I mean, from a a location standpoint, I I think we've actually covered a pretty good amount of location stuff. Um, I I can't think of anything else I need to say on the subject. Anybody else have anything we didn't cover on that? Well, I think that beyond things like liability and repercussion, I mean, the one thing that we haven't really covered is the evocative nature of locations. And you kind of touched on it a little bit at at the beginning as to, you know, JR was talking about why she picks little pieces from different places in order to make right. an outcome of, of, you know, one larger place that she uses, you know, in her story. What? But, yeah, you're absolutely right. That's actually a good point. Go ahead. But, I mean, you know, I mean, you kind of touched on it as well about taking the cemetery that you wanted to use because it's cool and you have experience there and placing it within, you know, within another city. But, right. I mean, beyond that... I mean, JR, correct me if I'm wrong here, but um, I guess I'm kind of projecting my own, the way I kind of use things into this. So you tell me if you disagree or not. Um, For me, a lot of times the way I choose uh, locations, both real and then how I 
craft the ones that are not real has a lot to do with not only mood, but beat. Um, I, I think Ray, I think you kind of touched on that about like how long it takes to drive from A to B and, you know, like sort of hijacking Google maps to see, you know, where things are and how to get from place to place and, and right. whatnot. Um, but like beside researching that stuff just for the sake of, of accuracy, I, a lot of times will, will research it for the sake of figuring out the, the beat of the story. And so not only is the actual physical location and how it is described in the book contributing to the mood of the story, but the time that you take as the time that the character takes exploring that place, be it on foot or in a car, lends to the mood of the story within a scene, within a POV. Well, so, yeah, and that does that makes perfect sense. I mean, well, and above above that vibe, not only beat but vibe. The, I mean, when when you go to when you go someplace and you're there and you're walking around and actually physically there, you get a vibe or a sense or smells or something that triggers. You know, you like the city or you don't like the city. If someone goes Boston, somebody will say it's my favorite city because I like this. You know, there's something about it that lets you create on top of it. Um, well, so it lends itself to the story. When it comes to the distance thing, I have had extensive <clears throat> experience with walking, using public transportation, as well as driving. And I have done it in huge cities. Kansas City may not be heavily populated, but that fucker is spread out everywhere and it literally takes an hour to get from one side of the city to another using the highways. So I use, once I've, you know, kind of mentally mapped the city, I use my familiarity with the different types of travel to guesstimate, I guess you'd say, how long it takes to get here from there. And, you know, like one character walks to work, well, it's going to take her from where she's located 30 minutes to walk to downtown because she's in a shit part of town and downtown is where all the action is and the shit part of town is usually not real close to downtown. And then from when she enters downtown, approximately how long it would take her to get from from where she comes in to where her job is. Yeah, so, and there are like... Jim Butcher, you know, having to clock a, a spectral dinosaur through, you know, University of Chicago down to the art district. You know, I mean, this is sometimes you got to do something weird. Yeah. So I, I just use my experience with different modes of travel to help me figure out approximately how long it takes to get from here to there. Maintaining oh, authenticity is the whole point of the exercise. Somebody who lives in Tokyo isn't going to have the slightest idea, but I assure you somebody who lives in Overland Park or someplace near Kansas City is going to damn sure know what you're talking about and yeah, they'll call you if you get it wrong. Yeah, and it's like, you know, using Kansas City as an example, Overland Park is technically part of Kansas City. It's part right. of the, the metropolitan area. Well, I have lived on both sides, so I know that there are fewer buses in Overland Park, and they only come through once an hour, once every half hour. 
So the connections from there into Kansas City proper are fewer and farther between. And then you have to deal with the time for the Kansas City buses to come and pick up where you've been dropped off. And that extends travel time. So I keep that in mind if I'm having somebody live on the outskirts of a city, for example, like in a metropolitan area like that is. Well, I mean, and this is, and well, authenticity is a big thing. I mean, there was an author who got dinged because he was writing a story about New York and the guy was taking the M train to Brooklyn and only the A and B trains go to Brooklyn. And somebody got, you know, a big stink about that. So, I mean, authenticity Uh, can be a thing. It doesn't take but one person to make you look like you didn't do your research properly. And that just, I lose sleep over that. They're not going to catch me doing that very often. I'm, 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 I wonder about that handful of people or even one person who says, you made that shit up. And then, uh, you know, I, I don't want, it's, it's, <laughs> it's easy enough to just do your research properly. But it's when JR's talking, she, her, her familiarity with places allows her to create singular scenes within her fictional place that are authentic as hell because she's been there. She knows they exist. She doesn't have to make them up, make them up. In other words, you know, her Franken city is, is an amalgam of real life places that um, allow her to describe that vibe in, in, in high degree of accuracy that will resonate with people, even if they don't know she's talking about Kansas City. Her description of it is is by default going to be believable. Well, and then there's the you know my favorite thing in a lot of in some of the fantasy and even science fiction books where you have a mundane city like Kansas City, but you have like you know the 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 Fey people who live there in the underground. So now you're making up places and things, you know, about a real city. So I mean, there's there's levels upon levels you can do. Yeah, and and if you were going into New York, we all know there are shitloads of abandoned subway tunnels and stuff down there. Oh yeah, I mean, you can. There is a whole other world down there underneath the city. And you same thing with uh, Boston, and also believe it or not, um, Salem, Massachusetts has uh, networks of tunnels underneath mm-hmm. the city. There's a few others. Pennsylvania, oh, yeah. don't they have another? We uh, have them in my hometown, but it was they were uh, underground railroad places. Yep. That's, that's they're all over the place in my stupid little hometown in Michigan, and that is tremendously historic because it was a stop on the underground railroad all the way through to Canada. We'll see in a part of Kansas that I'm not going to name because it would be too obvious. Um, um, there are tunnels built under the city going into another nearby town, we think. But nobody's been able to fully explore them. So nobody really knows what's down there. And we've never seen maintenance guys from when I lived down there. We've never seen anybody go in there. So, I mean, I can make up a town, any little town, and add these little tunnels and stuff in and there's an old um hospital asylum you know they they house people from back in the 1800s and then they did the whole what was it typhoid everybody was dying of typhoid and then what was the other big one but uh, anyway. yeah i know what you're talking about but i can't remember 
anyways, and then now it's a mental health hospital. Well, it's a whole huge complex and there are underground tunnels. So, I mean, you could literally create your own mental health hospital that used to be an asylum way back in the day. And then it changed its purpose and all these underground tunnels, you could do anything with them, especially considering they're maybe connected to the next city over. Well, yeah, that's, a, me, that's a and, smorgasbord for creativity. There, no one's going to know, or nobody needs to know. It's that's that's kind of like a blank canvas that's handed to you. That's right. Location well, creation. Yeah. One thing we didn't actually um, cover and account for, but when you're dealing with locations, there are some locations that actually help sell your book. I mean, if you're if you write a book about New Orleans and that's the center of your book. There are people who will buy it because they're, you know, they like your particular genre and they love New Absolutely. Orleans. Absolutely. So it John, will actually, yep. yeah. Losing John Grisham put Memphis on the map doing shit like that. Of course that with he did. Oh, goofball yeah. lawyer books, and they love every minute of it. And why wouldn't they? Nashville. Yeah, but that leverages that another aspect to your story that normally you wouldn't have if you were using, you know, <laughs> Rat Ratskeller, Arkansas, you know. I mean, it just, it, you know, hey, I love science fiction. And, whoa, this takes place in New Orleans. I love New Orleans. Let me get that book. Yeah. 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 Now, macro, micro that, that Glacia t- brought up earlier, my, my need for a Celtic tradition place, a location for my book, it could have been Scotland, could have been Ireland, could have been Wales. And I chose Wales because I'm Welsh in, in my lineage. That macro by itself is, it's still a location. It's somebody who is sympathetic to things Wales. They're going to zero in on it for that reason alone. They may, may not like the story. They may like the story. But just, just the fact that it is set in Wales is going to get a lot of people's attention who are interested in that. Some folks who are, are, are Irish or Scots may look and go, okay, I, I'll have a look, but it's not the same because it isn't their heritage. You never know. It, it, I'm, I'm, I wonder how much exposure it will get in Wales. It's not a big country. And right. Nowhere near is. I mean, everybody knows Scotland and Ireland. I can find a lot of people have no idea there is such a place as Wales. But you have to remember, <laughs> it's somebody may just, there are people who just like Wales, just like, you know, like England, like Wales, and they'll pick up the book because, hey, I like that area. Yeah. You know? And, Ray and that, kind of touched on something there that as Rob was talking, yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking. That's almost where uh, those macro locations like New Orleans, like Wales, you know, pick pick a place. Um, New York, yeah, Boston, yeah, doesn't matter. It, it, it transcends actual physical location and becomes more of a, a location, like a cultural thing. You know, a culture can be a location in which you are writing. And that's why I think people are drawn to, say, books in New Orleans or books that are placed in Ireland or Paris or Japan, yep. you know, any of those sort of cultural cult places where people are very interested, not really in the place, but in the culture, in the culture that exists in that place. The culture, the vibe, something about it's, it. It's yeah. representative of something to them. That's exactly yeah. right. People have experiences or dreams of going there, perhaps. Who knows? But you're right. It's visceral to them. It's it it stirs something. But but it also it's, filters the way they read the story too, which is not necessarily a bad thing. So fucking hey, way to go, Glacia. Good hitting on that one. 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. There's a whole group of romance novels just based in Scotland. Yeah, well, it's Scotland. It's freaking dude. Just don't have any idea. You know what? I put on my kilt and I get stalkers. I'm serious, man. I put on my kilt and they come out of the woodwork. It's like, you know, Outlander whatever. Holy crap. It ain't got Dude, nothing seriously. to do with that. <laughs> Telling you, it's the whole, yeah, Scottish kilt vibe. I put up a picture of me in the kilt, and it was just like, hey, how you doing? Oh, go away. You know. Yeah, yeah, the kilt is kind of hot. <laughs> I'm telling you, man, people dig the kilt. But it, it's part of that whole thing. You do a book about Scotland, you get women going, oh, Scottish guys? Fuck yeah, I'll read it. Absolutely. You I know, I do I do the same thing. It. I'm guilty of it. You know, hey, we're we have a book takes place in a small town in Ireland in a bar. Wait, bar chick in Ireland? Pfft, I'm reading it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude, I'm a sucker for an Irish broker. Are you kidding me? Oh hell yeah. <laughs> I'll sit there all day and have that chick read the menu. Just that's all I'll do. Just just read it for me. I'm good. You don't even have to order anything. I love sitting in a room with a bunch of stocks because it is just entertaining as fuck. Oh, and the it more is. the drink, the less you understand them, but the more hilarious everything. You call it hanging out. I call it Christmas. <laughs> or Thanksgiving, yeah. I was fortunate enough to, to work in a place at one point where we had two, three Scot- Scottish guys. Two of them were from Scotland. And holy shit. <laughs> you can't understand them when they had a couple of, uh, yeah, a couple of scotches in them, but I'm bumped. Trust me, I know. <laughs> yeah, but once they start uh-huh, laughing. That was funny, right? <laughs> yeah, fuck you. <laughs> yeah, I know. But, but I get it. I get it. I mean, every, every either location, geographic, macro, your macro locations will set the tone of your story. Um, so sometimes using a real location or a real macro location for a made-up micro location works because you get yeah. the vibe without having to do a lot of the detailed research. Because yeah, I might use McTierney's Pub in Ireland. You know, Ireland's real, but fuck, McTierney's Pub, I don't know. I'll make one up, you know. that That's the whole point. You're able to utilize, you're able to leverage that feeling, that vibe at your micro location. So you get the best of both worlds. Yeah, and when you see it put in Welsh, you know that they're going to have a little bit of a different accent than somebody from right. Scotland or Ireland or this London. This is very true. Good topic. Very good topic. I was digging and that, dude. At first, I was cringing, and I was decided that in my prejudgmental malaise that it was going to be a dull topic, and I hated it, and I didn't want to talk about it. And now <laughs> I've been... I've been proven and delighted and wrong because that was a good topic. So it's good. We all know Rob went into this going, man, this sucks. <laughs> I, I, yeah. mute it, I, I mute it and I say, why do we have to let the new kid tell us what we're going to talk I about? Know, what the this fuck? is bullshit. And then I, I'm thinking, hey, this is a pretty cool topic. I like what she's saying. And oh, yeah, now I'm, I'm, I'm satisfied and I'm happy. You can't, again. Dude, don't fucking admit that because it's going to go yeah. to her head. Don't fucking admit that shit. We're wrong. Thank you for joining us at Author and Chains. This is Ray Bailey with J.R. Ryu, Rob Davies, and Ray Burton. Until next time.
keep up to date with the latest news, opinions, tutorials, and more, simply visit www.authorsandchains.com. Sign up for our mailing list to be one of the first to see any new information we post. Also, check out our Facebook page by searching Authors in Chains from the Facebook search bar. Last, but definitely not least, don't forget to check Twitter under hashtag Authors in Chains. If you have a topic you want to see discussed, or are interested in being on the show, or recommending someone who you think we should get on the show, contact us directly, either by going to the contact page on the website, or simply email shout at authorsandchains.com. We'll see you next week.